I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design with another very special episode, part of a new series of the show, and something that, gosh, I've been wanting to do this for for a really long time. But but I specifically wanted, you know, as as the years went on, I wanted to get through year ten uh, before I rolled this out. We're through year ten, and do you know that in eleven years of Convo by Design, I've published over four hundred and fifty episodes, spoken with over six hundred creatives, produced over five dozen panel conversations for design events across the country. From all of these amazing conversations with the world's greatest creative talent, I wanted to start enshrining some of these individuals into what I'm calling the Convo by Design Icon Registry, a Hall of Fame, if you will. I don't do contests, and I most certainly don't do lists. Lists are, to me, they're, they're, they're gimmicky, um, designed to capture clicks. They are. They're clickbait, pure and simple. And you can't tell me that a list of 50, 75, or 100 designers and architects are the absolute best at what they do without providing context. Lists are created in the hopes that those who are being listed will promote the accolades and and that attention will be driven back to the author of the list. And contests where creatives have to reach out to their base to get them to vote for them, I, I just, I'm not a fan of that. Anyway, others do it. It's totally cool. But I wanted to do something special to start celebrating the absolute best in the business. And that's what we're doing here with the Icon Registry. So now here's the criteria. Each inductee has been a guest on Convo by Design. They have a body of work that is exceptional in their various disciplines, and there is no justification required for their world-class status, full stop. They give back to the industry. They are innovators, givers, and make our industry better than they found it. This project is called the Convo by Design Icon Registry. And because that is is what this is, tantamount to a Hall of Fame, a Ring of Honor, but more, what what is an icon? Described as an icon, a person or thing regarded as a representative symbol or as worthy of veneration. A list, uh, sorry, a registry is a well-curated list. You can consider this a venerable who's who in our industry with gifts to offer and a willingness to share. uh, Pablo Picasso is widely credited for saying, quote, the meaning of life is to find your gift and the purpose of life is to give it away, end quote. Now, I'm not suggesting that those enshrined in the Icon Registry have all just been giving away their gifts. These are professionals of the highest order, and part of being a professional is knowing your worth, understanding your value. And each of these individuals have appeared on Convo by Design to discuss that, shared what they know for the betterment of others, and I am deeply appreciative for that. This is the most authentic way that I could think of expressing my gratitude for that. As deeply appreciative as I am, for their sharing, I am equally grateful for you taking the time to share a few moments, an hour, out of your busy schedule each week uh, to listen to the show. And again, the most authentic way that I can express that gratitude is to give you an opportunity to hear them again. So every month, the last Thursday of the month, unless it's a holiday week, which in case I'll publish that, you know, a week sooner, I'll, I'll share these inductees with you. So this this month, uh, 
um, we are inducting Carol Woodhouse. This creative is, to me, an extraordinary example of what it means to be a modern designer. Not as in her aesthetic or style is purely modern, but instead her understanding of the design universe and being universally adroit at presenting traditional materials in new ways, expertly navigating space gracefully, seemingly, and yet sparking emotion in, again, unique and different ways. Kara Woodhouse is crafty, creative, and her work begins and ends with a full understanding of what she's working with in terms of space, desires, needs, and materiality. Woodhouse isn't a Joanna come lately. Uh, she is a design star. She isn't a reality TV star designer. She's paid her dues. I've not just covered her professionally for the for the podcast, but I have been the beneficiary uh, beneficiary of her work when I was the general manager and program director for Playboy Radio. I spent time in the Beverly Hills Playboy offices that she designed. Her work is imaginative. It's exciting. It makes the brain pop and wiggle. Woodhouse is a curator of color, shape, and space, mixing and blending all to please the senses and make you wonder, what if? This conversation is from an episode of, uh, an episode of The Showroom. It was sometime mid-pandemic, so don't ask me exactly when. <laughs> I don't remember. But um, what if indeed? This is my conversation with Kara Woodhouse, uh, who is the next to be installed in the Convo by Design Icon Registry. She's amazing. And um, this is her story. I love doing the the showroom. We've been doing this particular project now. I, I absolutely love it. It gives us a chance to have really in-depth interviews with absolutely amazing creatives. Um, joining us today is Kara Woodhouse. And Kara, I'm so I'm so thrilled that you're here. And here's what I wanted to do. We're going to get into our chat a little bit. We're going to talk about some of your projects. If anyone has uh, questions that you want to ask, please go down to the chat feature at the bottom and type in your questions. And uh, and Teresa will be monitoring them and, and jump in with them as appropriate uh, and as we get to them. So if you like the conversation, and I hope that you do, uh, it will be published to Convo by Design, and you can watch the video on Walker Zanger's uh, YouTube channel. So with that, Kara, welcome to the showroom. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I am too. I'm happy you're here as well, and I'm thrilled that you could join us today. I wanted to, to the first thing I, I wanted to ask you about, because we were talking a little bit before we, before we hit the little red button, and with the way that the business has changed and not being able to really see how the business would change while we were in the midst of this work from home scenario. And now that things are starting to open up, talk to me about a couple of things. How as a firm, you're addressing all these changes, how you're working with clients differently now than, than maybe you, you did before. And that, that idea, that that reality now that you have to you have to tell people no, you don't have time to work on their projects. How are you handling all of this? So yeah, so my business, um, like we were talking earlier, so I'm usually busy 
I'm lucky and fortunate and blessed that I'm, you know, at the point in my career where I'm busy all the time, but now with everybody working from home and relocating and all of that, um, business in this field is booming next level. Um, it made me a few things realize how, you know, my employees and myself can work from home and make it work. And I think that that is also going to change moving forward where, um, you know, I, my employees, I want everybody to enjoy what they're doing and be there and, you know, present and function at their best capacity always. And now, you know, not having a commute and working from home, it's a really nice way of life, enjoying, you know, time being at home and being productive and being home. That's definitely a big part of it. So, you know, I'm only having employees, some come in full time because that's what they choose and they prefer it, but others I'm giving the option to come into the office two to three days a week. Um, and it's been working phenomenally for us. And another thing of being so busy and having to say no to so many projects, um, coming in, you know, it's so hard. It's like, you're busy and you almost want to take on everything, but we, you know, I have a boutique firm. I want it to be at a certain scale. I've had larger firm in the past and, you know, this, this is what feels right for me. And I feel balanced where I am. Um, so I have to turn jobs away. I have to say no. And um, it's hard. It's hard to do that. But that is part of what's happening right now, because everybody is redesigning, buying homes, building homes, renovating homes. It's just, you know, it's amazing and unbelievable what what's happened. Uh, by the same token, I'm curious your 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 take on reselect the dreaded reselect um, availability of product um, using new materials and resources and and finding new materials. Considering that uh, you know there haven't been any live events over the over the past year, so finding new product uh, has has been a challenge, and then the need to reselect because certain things are not available right now, um, has that been a challenge for you? And if so, how are you addressing that? So I agree with that in some ways. And I also don't agree with that in some ways. I, as far as selecting products, I feel like over this period of time, all these creative people and studios, you know, have had the time now to kind of redevelop things and produce and design new products that are coming out that I've seen, which, you know, people are emerging and even new businesses, you know, like people had time, like this is what their passion was and they got it off the ground and now they're, you know, doing so well. Um, but on a flip side, on the building side and lead times and things like that. So everyone knows now price has gone up for materials, you know, wood, metal, copper, all these things. Um, I just actually bought a home and relocated during COVID. And luckily I just <laughs> kind of missed this where, you know, there were longer lead times. I just missed it. I was so lucky, but, you know, projects that I'm working on, you can't get certain things and people have to wait longer. And, you know, it's just, people have to deal with that. 
and prices are going up. I've heard stories of people even in my neighborhood who were building homes from the ground up and the price of wood went up triple and they were building, you know, $3 million homes that have now gone up significantly and they can't even afford to follow through with these projects and have to sell these properties. So, um, yeah, and there have been lead times, but I feel like, you know, we've always had kind of lead times in this industry. They're just, you know, tapped on time now. Yeah. And it's so, it's fascinating too. The commodity side of the business is something that I don't think the design industry is necessarily used to. Right. And I, I feel like what we've learned pandemic aside, but just from the, from the, the, specifying and ordering product is really fascinating. But this kind of started before because what 2016, 2017, when the tariffs started, product coming in from Asia and Canada and Mexico, and all of a sudden the prices started going up and it was really hard to budget, you know, because it was fluctuating and with with tariffs, things were, you know, there was a 50, 75% increase in product price almost overnight it was yeah. really it was really hard to manage this and i feel like many designers weren't really equipped from that business perspective you know because and this is something i wanted to ask you about going back to when you started in the business yeah your your approach to starting in the business because you know if you ask 10 designers how they got started, you'll get 10 different origin stories. You'll get 10 different business models. You'll get 10 different business plans and marketing plans. And everything is just so, everyone's got such a different way of doing it. There is no real uniform process to starting this. So I'm curious, how did, how did you get started in the business? How did you decide that this is what you wanted to do? And when you decided to hang your shingle, how did you approach it? So I could tell you this, I was the person that said I would never, ever want an interior design firm. (laughs) And here we are 20 something years later, um, you know, having multiple firms, but I was really fortunate in the beginning of my career. I worked for some, you know, top-notch design firms, um, you know, AD top 100 and got some great experience. I, um, I really only worked prior to starting my own company for like, I want to say three years, almost four years. And I actually was approached from, um, by a friend of a friend who bought a property, um, a waterfront property in Miami beach in South beach. And they wanted to hire me to do a full gut renovation and design of this house with a really healthy budget. And I, um, I couldn't say no. And I'm the type of person that I kind of just roll with things. And I figure it out as I go along. And I'm like, all right, I knew really nothing, you know, business side of this, really. Um but figured it out. And that's kind of how my business got started. And I was smart enough to pull a business partner in, someone that I worked with at one of my older firms who all she wanted to do was have her own firm. And so I made her leave her job. I'm like, you're my partner. We're going to Miami. This is going to be fun. And 
basically then word got out and the job that we left, um, we had a great relationship with the owner and she would feed us these jobs. You know, she was working on, you know, 10, $15 million decorating budgets. So her like one and a half to $2 million decorating budgets, like she didn't want that. So we were like, that's amazing. We're starting out. This is incredible. So we were really fortunate um, to get these amazing projects and made many mistakes along the way and kind of figured things out. And that's how we got started. And we grew really, really fast. Um, you know, we were, we were hungry for it. We wanted to succeed. And that was my first design firm. And that was back in 2004. Putting you on the, putting you on the spot for a second. If you had to go back and think about some of the biggest mistakes that you made, yes, <laughs> still seems painful to you. What oh, there's the- like a list in my head. They're all like, I'll tell you the first mistake we made. Yeah. You want to hear? Yeah. So the Miami project, he wanted a budget. He wasn't giving us a budget. He wanted us to give him a budget. We gave him a range. Okay a range of a a budget that there was a gap of $500,000 in between that. So we didn't know what we were doing, (laughs) clearly. (laughs) So he was looking at the lower number and we were obviously focused somewhere in the middle to higher and it obviously went to the middle higher and he was annoyed. He was like, hold on a second, like you gave me a range how come we ended up here? Like in my mind, I was here and that was a very big mistake. And one thing I always do, you know, with budgets and making sure that clients align with what I do is figuring out your budget. And now with all the experience of doing this over, you know, so many years, I, um, you know, will I, know what things cost. I have it all in my accounting and we know how much things are and we don't give a range If anything. I'll always, you know, pad things and let clients be pleasantly surprised if they're less. But, um, now I I've never made that mistake since I could tell you that always the, your, your mistakes are always your best lessons and you never make them again. So that was, that was our first big mistake. Um, having this firm. <laughs> it's so it's so funny, isn't it? Make every mistake in the book, just don't make the same one twice. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I, t- I tell my kids that all the time. Go ahead, exper- experiment, make mistakes. But you know, if you're making the same ones over and over again, there's there's an issue. That yeah. being said, uh, it's interesting to me, how have you seen the industry change? This is a two-part two question, right? How, how have you seen the industry change since you started in the business in 04? And how have you seen the business really change in the past 16 months? Okay. Well, since 2004, I mean, social media, right? So my business back then was all word of mouth. Um never like people really didn't know of me, but I've been doing this for so long and it was all word of mouth. Now I have, you know, definitely a a larger audience and range of, you know, people viewing me worldwide, um, due to Instagram and social media, which is, you know, 
huge, such a change. Um, so much more, you know, just, just marketing and advertising for your company. And it's, you know, it's basically free. <laughs> so that is, I would say the biggest change. Um, something else that I could say is a change is, you know, when I started out, in the, in this field and my mentors and people that I work for, it, it was kind of that like old school mentality of design and everything was like super secretive. No one really, I mean, you were like friendly with people, but it wasn't like real and you know, you were competitors, right? Like that's how it was. Now I feel like there's such a camaraderie and, you know, my peers in this industry, there's so many amazing designers and um, everybody wants to help everybody. You know, there's, and my mentality too, is there's enough to go around for everyone. Um, I don't look at people who are, you know, up for the same projects as me. I, I'm not threatened by that. You know, there, there is enough work for everybody to, to succeed. And I think there's something so nice about that, you know, that, you know, even on social media, that's how we all really connect. Um, you know, like asking, oh, I love that, you know, piece of furniture. Where'd you get that? And, and like everyone just, oh, it's from here, you know, tell them I sent you or, you know, that kind of thing. And I also, um, because when I started out, it was so tough. I am very open to helping to mentor people or people thinking of getting into the field and, you know, really, um, helping others. Right. Because I wish I had that. I wish I had that when I was starting out in this career, there's so many there and there's some big designers now who started, you know, way after I did. And I spoke to them, they were asking me advice, like, what do I need to do? What programs with this? And now they're like these really big successful designers. It makes me so proud that they're succeeding and doing well. So I think that that is definitely a big change as well. Um, and then as far as the past year and a half or so, I mean, we kind of spoke about it. The biggest change is lead times and too much work and we're all overworked. Um, you know, things like that, not being able to travel to, uh, visit some sites that you're working on, you know, some jobs that was also slightly difficult. I was working on a project out in LA and I was not getting on a plane to go to LA. Um, so, you know, doing things via zoom and, you know, everything is just, you know, FaceTime, but it goes to show again that you could make things work and it, you know, this is like the new, now of how we're how we're working so fascinating the new now absolutely true and i wanted to i, I want to drill down on that a little bit because something that you had said earlier that that you you relocated yeah and so with that one of the things that i have heard from just about everyone on the design side that i've spoken to is there's this there's this there's this new now right there's this new reality where designers are seeing some of their best clients move. Um, they're moving from, you know, LA, New York, Chicago, Miami, to Memphis, Nashville, Austin, Kansas City. They're moving to other cities where 
listen, you're not going to want to get on a plane and, and go visit Kansas City during the course of an eight-week, 12-week project, right? Right. So this idea, what we're doing today, I, I think, you know, as anxious as I am and you are and all of us are to get back out and go and go back to reality and be there in person. Sorry about that. No worries. Are you going to shut it? Just shut it in the drawer? Or are you going to? Yes. No. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. No, don't worry about it. I'm so I'm, okay. I'm interested to know this idea of remote design. Yeah. Not virtual remote. Cause it's, it's real. You're just doing it from a, from a different location. Yes. Has, has that affected the way that you approach technology with your biz that you are working more with with clients now on a remote basis. Is this something that you see as part of your the future of your firm? Um, well, I could tell you this. One of my favorite parts of my business before COVID was destination projects. I mm. loved having destination projects for many reasons. I kind of like... I love traveling. I love going to different locations, different architecture, different types of people. I love traveling so much. Um, so I used to get excited about that, you know, like, oh, a destination project. There was something like, I don't know, like alluring to that. Where now, you know, I get contacted for a lot of out of town projects as far as Egypt. Like recently I got <laughs> contacted to do this amazing project in Egypt. And Honestly, like I don't want to travel now. I, I, I'm just like, you know, and I actually am working on a project in Miami, which I'm flying for the first time next weekend, which isn't so far for me being in New York and I'm excited to go. Um, but, you know, beyond that right now, no, I don't really want to do that. So, you know, working virtually, if people are open to that, which a lot of people are. Um, yeah, that is definitely, I think going to be for the next still, I mean, I know COVID is, um, calming down a bit and numbers have gone down, but it's not gone. And I think this is going to be, you know, another couple of years that things are going to be like this. That's like the reality in my opinion. Um, so yeah. And the other thing too, there's like all these companies that recently started their apps that you could do one-on-one -on -one calls with designers. And I um, was one of the first designers and people to like be on a couple of these apps. One of them in particular is called Intro. And I speak to people all over the place. And, you know, you could book out 15 minutes, you could book out an hour on these calls and it's amazing. And it's amazing to see you know, when people are like, you helped me so much. Oh my gosh, this was so helpful. I couldn't make a decision on this or that, or thank you for the, the vendors and, you know, things like that to be able to help somebody even in like a short period of time. And they're, you know, I've helped people in the Carolinas, LA and Florida, all of Chicago, all over the place. I'm talking to people, helping them. It's, it's incredible and it can be done. So yes. Um, I am definitely, you know, loving this kind of online interactive um, client, you know, 
and projects um, like meetings this way. And I think it, it works. As far as the work itself, what are you being asked for now that maybe you weren't being asked for 12 months ago? What, what, about, what about the work is changing? So one thing, as far as like a project, I, there's a lot of like from the ground up, like more so than, you know, renovations, which I normally specialize in anyway. Um, but there's definitely a lot more of it, like people building from the ground up. I've seen a lot more of that. Um, I've also, I've been seeing a lot of people who have been, you know, like so many others living in a home and they've been wanting to redesign it. And there's just like an abundance of it where they're like, I'm done. I can't look at my house anymore and I need to redo and the whole thing I'm doing it because I can't look at it anymore. Um, and then another thing that I think is such a trend since COVID is a home bar. Like that is by far across the board, something that um, I think every single person, cause you can't really go, like people weren't going out and socializing. So they had their little pods of people that they were hanging out with and everybody wanted a home bar. So that's like, you know, and including myself, I actually have a home bar, which has been incredible. Not that I'm even a big drinker. My husband's more of a drinker than me because he's English. But, <laughs> um, you know, it's just like a great, I think, space to have in your home to, you know, and I think moving forward too, which I, which reminds me of kind of like a throwback because I feel like that's what people used to do probably like more so in like the 50s and the 60s, right? Like, everyone had the home bars back then because people didn't have um, all these amazing like restaurants and, you know, hotels to hang out in and, you know, all these different things. That's what people did. They would entertain in their homes. They would have a bar. And I love that. I, I love that that is something that has definitely made a huge comeback. So amazing that you say that because I was waiting for home gym, home office, home school, home, but home bar. I love that. Here's why I find that so interesting because I have often said that I consider designers and architects to be futurists. And, and I believe that. I, I believe that architects are designing for 75, 100, 150 years. Designers are designing for 10, 15, 20 years, really. And what's interesting to me is if you look back at some of the trends in, in design over the past 15 or 20 years, what have you seen? You've seen the idea of the built-in bar go away, mm -hmm. um, the formal living go away, the den go away, the, the formal dining go away in, in favor of a, a, a wide open space. Mm -hmm. So the open, open plan where let's just take every available wall down and let's just open it up as much as possible. And what's happened is over the past 16, 14 months, people have realized, boy, I could really use a couple of walls right now. Yes, because <laughs> you know everyone I mean? needs space now, like yeah. privately, right? Yeah. I know. And, and I believe that there's got, there is a, there is a, ha <clears throat> a happy medium to this, where to your point, uh, 
you know, some of these, these ideas that are coming back now, I, I love that idea about, about a bar. Um, Cause I do, I think you're right. I think having that social entertaining area uh, revolved or re- revolving around that is really important. I, I think some of the other things that I'm seeing now, which I think is fascinating is the, this idea that in the, in the States where cannabis has been legalized recreationally, you're getting this idea of a what used to be, you know, 15, 20 years ago was a cigar room when cigars right. had their moment. Yeah. You're, you're starting to have this cannabis room again where, you know, people still want to smoke, but they don't want the smoke to carry over into the yeah. into the room. And so with that comes a lot of design elements and a lot of really unique things. But it's fascinating. It feels like the ideas that revolve around design are beginning to change. And I'm curious if you, if you feel that way too. I definitely feel that way. 100%. Another, another area space, by the way, that also has changed, which kind of also relates to all this is outdoor spaces and indoor outdoor spaces that you could use all year round. Um, Which, you know, I, and I think that now that people are seeing this, like the bar and all these like entertaining areas Mm -hmm. that like people keep people entertained in their homes. Right. And like yeah. a special place to go to, that's definitely part of it for sure. Especially in New York, because you're in Southern California, but in New York, you know, it's not warm 12 months out of the year. It's, you have to kind of figure out, like, you know, we have heaters. <laughs> I sat out with my neighbors and friends sitting outside with heaters and comfortable furniture and, you know, in cold months during the year. And so many people doing these, you know, all season rooms where the walls can open up and go down. You have heaters in there. You have a fireplace in these rooms, but it's indoor, outdoor. And then summer, it's all kind of open. So yes, it's definitely um, more, you know, unique thought out spaces for sure. I think that that probably nails it more unique, well thought out spaces. And, and if, I, if I could add one key indicator of what makes a designer so special, it's the idea of being well thought out. Yes. Right, that yes. it's not just, hey, let's make this room pretty. Cause I, I think many people, you know, go to Pinterest, go to Instagram, look at someone's work and then go, you know, riff on it and make, make something pretty. But that doesn't necessarily mean you've got space, color, scale, structure, you know, that you've got all of those things, the livability of it, the durability of the materials, the, the lifespan of it. And with that, I wanted to use this opportunity to, um, to showcase some of your work. And um, this is, I gotta, I'll be frank with you and tell you that this is really um, one of my favorite parts of this. Can you, can you see the presentation? Yes. Okay. So, you can see your work now? Yeah. Okay, very cool. So one of the, the my favorite part of, of the showroom is, and I love having the conversation in, in advance, but then to look at your work and to be able to sort of, sort of dive deep into it and talk about why you make certain choices. And for those of you uh, who, are, who are hearing this on the podcast, if you go into the, and, and we will, we'll publish this. If you go to the show notes, um, there'll be a link there to click on the images. So you can, you can follow along and, and see 
what uh, what we're looking at. So starting with this, which which project are we looking at right now? So this was a, um, a show house that I did out in the Hamptons for breast cancer. And one of the things when I was looking at this, there were a couple of things that I noticed and I, and I, I love exploring space with designers because when I started the podcast, I asked this question um, that I, I go back now, it's a little cringy for me, but I would ask designers, so do you have a signature style? What's your okay. favorite style? And it was just like, oh, it wasn't, it's not a stupid question. It's just a pedestrian question, right? It's like, ugh. And what I've learned over time is that it's not that you have the good designers, the great designers. It's not that you have a signature style. It's that you have a footprint or a fingerprint that will be left behind in the work. And so when I look at this, some of the things that I see between the colors and the shape and the scale and the spacing, we get to, we get to look at and we get to see in, in different contexts. And as I look at this room and what you did with it, First of all, I, I love the way you play and experiment with shapes, specifically in the, in the rug, in the bed, in the, in, the, in the wall coverings. It's just so speci special. So as you go through, do you remember sort of what you were thinking and who you designed this space for? Yeah, so it kind of, I, I wanted it, first of all, I chose the color pink for breast cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, like I, I wanted to do something with pink. I am very drawn to that color. And it's so funny because I'm so not a girly girl, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm so drawn, you know, to images and furniture and fabric, like with pink. I don't know why it's just something, and it's been for a while. I don't know if it's something that will pass, but, um, I, I don't know. So that, that was the idea behind that. And yes, I love kind of breaking open ideas and, you know, kind of breaking out of the box, so to say. And, you know, when people are like, well, things have to be done like this and it has to be this and this has, um, I always am the one who fights against. I'm like, absolutely not. There's no, <laughs> like, I want to do things differently. I try to push myself. Like, how can I do something different, not just to be different, but like really exploring pieces, well. furniture, I shapes. Stuff. That's what you saw, sweetie. So pink um, and shape sizes. Hi everyone, whomever, can everybody please mute your line? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so anyway, so yeah, I just, um, you know, I wanted, I wanted it to feel kind of feminine. I am very drawn to round it. Sorry. Hello. When are you cleaning this? I have to. Um... Okay. <laughs> okay. I think we're good now, right? Just a reminder, if everyone can make sure that your phones are, or your uh, your sound is muted, that would be greatly appreciated. Thank you. Okay. I see, it's great, because now I know I've got a couple edits to make in the podcast. So we'll make that work. Okay, back to it. Okay, can you, can you see this again? Yes. 
back okay. on. So let's see, let's get to where we were before. Um, and here's the, wait a minute, I think I got past it. One more, there we go, okay. There we go. So here's, here's the thing that I absolutely love about this. The shapes, both organic and inorganic, um, both soft and curvy, and as you look at the wall, the wallpaper and the and the the chandelier, the the sharp and the jagged, it's just this. As well as the the pattern itself in the in the wall coverings, it's just everything was blended, but nothing nothing seems out of place. When when you were looking specifically as it relates to color and shape and structure, mm -hmm. what were you thinking about, and how how did you the color totally get it? Um, who did you design this for and, and what were you thinking through the process? So really also, this is something that I do when I'm designing. Um, I always want to create an experience when you walk into a space, I want you, I want to evoke a feeling that's definitely like a huge thing for me. Um, and it's so funny. So this room, like we had to name it and it was like a dream that that was my room. And there's a mirror, this etched mirror that says dream of me. And, you know, being in that room and watching people come in, like everyone was like, I feel like I'm in a dream. And they didn't know that that was the name of mm. the room, but they're like, I feel like I'm in a dream, I'm in a cloud, I'm floating. I've never, you know, felt like this before in a room. I feel like I'm being like cradled and like held in this room. You know, everyone had the same kind of feeling and experience in here. Um, the other thing for me too is I'm very into materials. Um, I love combining texture and just all different kinds of materials together. And I always say this, that, you know, I, in all of my rooms or, you know, designs, I, I call it eye candy, <laughs> but, <laughs> and I don't think that like, you know, you're doing a room and you should just throw in this and that, like everything is definitely very thought out, like every little piece down to, a book that I'll put on a table, you know, like everything kind of has to have something interesting about it. And um, whether it's a shape or a color or a texture, I want everything to like every single piece that I put into a room should have that. And it doesn't mean that it has to be the most expensive object or material, but it's just, you know, and I, I do tend to gravitate towards things that have, you know, unusual shapes or some kind of shape to it, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of known for everyone's like, oh my gosh, you love balls and round shapes <laughs> and circles. And, and it's so funny. Yeah. It's like, I, I do. And in my own home, I didn't even realize that I was doing it, but everyone's like, wow, you really like balls. <laughs> and I'm like, I guess I do. Cause there's round shapes everywhere or actual like cylinders and circles. And I am drawn to it. And maybe it is like a little influence from, 
you know, like the seventies and eighties, but I wouldn't consider this kind of like vintage looking. Cause I'm not, I kind of went through my whole vintage phase through my career. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm drawn to different shapes and, and, um, trying to be creative, you know, in my designs and, you know, just do my thing. It just like comes out. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and with that, and with that, um, that rug is absolutely spectacular. And I, it's funny because sometimes when when you look at a when you look at work, you look at the, this design. I can't imagine any other rug but that one being in that room. Yeah, and it's. it's I mean, not only is the shape, I mean, but it's shearling. It was a shearling rug, so like, yeah, everyone was like getting on the floor and petting it or taking their shoes <laughs> off and walking yeah. on it because it was just so luxurious and soft. And, you know, it, it was one of my favorite rugs that I've ever designed, but um, yeah, it, it was, it was so fun creating that space. So jumping to this one, where is this kitchen? So this is in New Jersey. This is actually a pool house that I did for a summer home for a client. And just looking at this again, the shapes, yes, both both the ones that your eye is 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 leaning towards for the focus, as well as the ones just the, the simple the simple things like like lucite back chairs, so that you can see the cushions and the cushions match the glass. Your attention to detail is absolutely amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, in addition to that, there are a couple other things that I noticed you, you've done between the with the with the white cabinetry and this this floating countertop. The, the fact that you're mixing metals so efficiently. Um, who did you design this for? And this is a pool house, so it, it was it. I don't I I don't want to know if it was you know matchy matchy to the to the main house, but was there was there a theme drawn out? So. Yeah, I mean, basically the main house, it does kind of carry over into the pool house. It was all, you know, black and white with these like amazing pops of color and green was one of the colors throughout the house that the client loved and just against the black and white, it just, it, it was like, it just popped and it looks so beautiful. And um, this is for a family that, really entertains a lot. This is their summer home. They have a beautiful pool in their backyard and gorgeous outdoor furniture. And they really wanted a space where they could entertain. They could, you know, eat here with friends and family. Um, and yeah, this is, I would say the most used space, you know, in their summer home for sure. So we wanted to create something kind of like bright and happy and cool and poppy. And again, you know, that eye candy where we did these beautiful cement floors and we laid out these tiles to be in this like irregular kind of pattern. Um, we did these rope, um, there were three of them. You can't see the third, but there's actually three of these large cylinder rope wrapped, um, lights from cuff studio. They're actually in LA and, um, you know, with, the, with the chairs, with the green, um, kind of popping through and just kind of having, I like contrast, you know, even with, we did the countertop, 
Um, you know, like I, again, like how do we do something different? How do we do something cool? I want to make this, you know, different. So we kind of cut the ends off of being black and we added the white on there, you know, just playing, playing with, with stuff, color blocking. It really like, you know, it makes a space a little more interesting. Yeah. And it's, it's whimsical. And the other thing that, that I, I noticed when looking at this really is just how incredibly efficient your design is. I mean, as you, as you look at this space, there's, there is not a, not an inch of, of wasted space and there's, there's design everywhere. It's amazing. And it's funny too, cause then going to this one, there's, there's the, the ball pillows again, there are the round pillows. <laughs> But, yeah. but what I wanted to point out in, in this one is it's really interesting because this, the color is, is very subdued. It's very muted, but you don't lose any of the impact with your use of neutrals. Yeah. Well, again, it's, you know, definitely with texture and I actually, you know, I am, I think known for like so many pops of color and contrast like that, but I actually, I love neutral patterns. And I think if you do them in a textural layered way, they are just as impactful as those, you know, pops of color and things like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> do you think, it, do you think that it's almost, do you think that it's almost more challenging to design with neutrals than it is with color? No, I don't think so. In my opinion, you know, cause I feel like there's so many things that you could use in a space, even in neutrals, you know, like furniture pieces. And there's so many beautiful fabrics and textures and materials that you, you kind of layer them on, you know? So I, I personally don't. And, and then with with this, um, getting into some of some of the uh, the bathrooms and the kitchens, um, the one on our left. Yes. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about your relationship with your fabricator, because I know that this one uh, this one had a lot of discussion involved. Yes. Um, I have a very, actually a very close relationship with my fabricator you hit it <laughs> right. on the nail. and every stone yard basically, because my favorite material to work with is definitely marble and stone. Um, but yeah, you know, I was also fortunate enough to have a client who had amazing taste herself. She definitely was more daring than, you know, most, and she, you know, I, I collaborate with all of my clients so much. And I think that's part of what makes my job so fun. And this was, you know, she had pulled some inspiration and brought it to me. And we kind of created this, um, this bathroom together, that vanity and kind of, you know, the metalwork and all of that. So it was definitely, you know, I, I can't take full credit at all because my clients are, you know, and they're also the ones pulling the trigger saying, yes, do it. Right. It's like, I'm bringing yeah. them ideas, but a lot of people are like, no, you know, I don't know, or I'll get sick of that. Or that shape reminds me of this, 
you know, she, <laughs> she was one of those like, yes, let's do this. So, you know, um, I definitely have her to thank as well. And then the, the, the design on the right. So here's, what's interesting is yeah. when you're using, when you're using a wallpaper like that, um, it, it has, it has this, this almost marble like quality yes. that you're using a completely different material to get a, a similar effect. Yes. So I'm like a huge fan of old techniques of, you know, people doing marbleizing. I love kind of like drips of paint and the use of paint. Um, you know, when I was younger, I, I was more of a fine artist than a designer for sure. And maybe it comes into play with that, um, you know, seeing different forms and shapes and, you know, fluid lines. So yeah, again, this is the same project and the client, you know, most people would be like, that's too busy. I, you know, I'll get sick of that, but it just, you know, people don't realize that sometimes patterns and things like this, like you don't get sick of it. It's actually like, it's just, it's fun. It makes you happy being around, you know, something different that you don't see all the time. And like, when you see it all over your walls, it's actually, it turns out not being as busy as you, as you think it would be, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, and then you, the center image, couple of observations. First of all, like you were talking about your, your use of, your use of a, you know, quote unquote drip, drips of color. Um, here on something like this is is exquisite. It's amazing. Something else that that kind of pops out in my mind uh, is really, you know, subway tile has taken an absolute beating over the last what do you want to call it? Five to seven years, where yeah. where people, oh gosh, not another subway tile. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I know you've heard this too, but I I think that it's never the product; it's the use and it's the application. And, you know, here where you're going entire wall with subway tile, it's just, it, and then adding the color in, in the middle and then having the window to the side and the, that, that black and white offset. I love this. And I, I think it just demonstrates how to use the product so well going floor to ceiling with, with subway tile. Tell me about this. Tell me about the conversation with the owner, with the client and sort of your, your thought behind this. Um, the thought behind this is, well, one thing I have to say first and foremost is subway tiles, you know, there it's been used so much, but you know, there are some things that, you know, are just classic, right? Like subway yeah. tiles, is something that's classic that has been around forever. And it's been around forever because of a reason, you know, it works, it works in every space. And I agree with you. It is how you use it. I think even using subway tiles in different um, patterns on the wall that aren't, you know, typical could be fun and the use of them. But this is, so this is a kitchen um, in the same house and again, you know, the client was just super cool, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, and she really, um, you know, it, it was very collaborative and we just, you know, it just, 
it has a look to it. And I don't want to say it kind because it doesn't look like a restaurant, but it's something that I guess you would not typically see in someone's kitchen, you know? Yeah. And then is this, is it, I'm trying to figure out. So does it go to the ceiling or is that a, so you've got it on the ceiling as well? Yes. Wow. (laughs) So is, is that, and then what do you do with the other, with the other three walls? They're all, they were all tiled. All the walls were tiled minus the cabinetry. That was. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I love that. I really (laughs) do. Um, And then look, circles again. See what's interesting. What's interesting about this is now I'm going to notice, since you said that, I'm going to notice every circle. But what it's also, had you not said that, what it would have been kind of like, oh, there's a through line. Um, But again, your use of strategic pops of color. And that's what I, that's one of the things that I really wanted to point out about this particular image is all of the textures and the height and the spacing. This is not, this is not a large space at all. Yet you've, the, the manner in which you've used it, there is, there is a, an elegant efficiency to this that I just absolutely love. Is this a New York project? Yes, this was actually okay. in Brooklyn in Williamsburg. Okay. Love that. And again, um, I don't know if this is the same project, but again, with this rug, gosh, I love that rug. Thank you. Yeah, this is a different project. That was a townhouse in the West Village um, that we kind of revamped this whole entryway. It was... um five levels going up and um we literally we put in this really high gloss white paneling going up the entire house because it felt a little dark up the hallways and we wanted to brighten it up and we put lights in the um along the side of the stairs going up and again such a awesome cool client that we created this custom kind of swirly design and I just, I don't know, I'm into this. This was, this rug was actually done before the show house rug of this idea of a puddle of it, like kind of spilling out super fluid um, and just playful, just fun, unexpected. Playful. Yeah, a- absolutely. And, and I'm into it too. I think it's absolutely amazing. Last image that, that we have for this. Um, and, and I just wanted to, to showcase again, just the, some of the work that you're doing. And, and when, when I first saw this one, I, I, had, I had said to you, I was like, uh, you know, uh, are those wood floors? And, and they are. Tell me the story behind painting these wood floors. So this is the same New Jersey summer house. So it was an old Victorian house um, that, you know, I, I wish I actually had some before photos of this because it really is such a transformation. So why we wanted to do this to the floors, they didn't want to replace the floors, um, but they were really, really thin. Not They weren't even three inches wide. They were maybe mm. like two inches, maybe two inches, really, mm. really thin, original to the house. Um, believe it or not, they were all level, which was amazing. <laughs> and... Um, we wanted to do a different play on this. And I was telling you earlier, but 
you know, I lived in London for a couple of years with my husband and in the flat that we lived in when we were there, um, I was definitely inspired for this project. We had these old, beautiful pine wood floors in our flat that were painted. And over time, they kind of like got a little scuffed up, but that was part of the beauty of it. Like just, you know, something so old, but, you know, updated in this way and just thought it was so cool. So I was like, why don't we paint them, you know, do like a super hard, like exterior kind of paint on this floor and we could do whatever pattern we want and just, you know, and it's so funny. Everyone that sees this, they're like, I love the marble floor. Everyone thinks it's marble. (laughs) They're like, no, you know, we like laid out this pattern and we did these kind of like pinstripes around the other rooms that were solid white. But for the entry, we did this black and white checkerboard. Um, and I mean, this completely brightened up this house, gave it such new life. And I think, you know, people don't realize like it, you know, not that it's such a little thing to paint a floor because it is still an ordeal, sanding it down and layers of paint and laying it out, but not having to rip up a floor and kind of like take a different take on a space. Um, that was you know, the idea for, for there. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that. And one of the things it's too, when, when you're talking about use of materials and, and sort of creative use, you and I were, you and I were talking beforehand, you were mentioning um, that there was a, we were talking about Walker Zanger, Teresa, you're going to love this. We were talking about Walker Zanger and you had mentioned that there was a, a product that you've seen or one of the lines that you wanted to work with. Do you remember the name of that? I do. So it's, um, it's actually glass, believe it or Mm -hmm. not, but it looks and has like, it looks like stone. And when you feel it, it like, cause it's kind of like, um, I don't know. It's like a sandblasted like finish or something, but it's, um, Bianco Vetro and they do, (laughs) this is part of the roundness. They have a penny tile, but it's, it's not a flat penny tile. It's rounded. It has this kind of like rounded feeling to it. And I was recently in the showroom and I was like, this is the coolest thing. Look at the stone. I've never, and they're like, that's not stone. I was like, there's not many like faux looking stones that could fool my eye. I was like completely full. This looks like stone to me like to a really? T. I was like, no way. It's definitely not. I'm like, you're making a mistake for the salesperson. And they're like, no, this is glass. Like this is our, you know, our studio glass line. And I like turned around. I'm like, oh my God, so cool. Such a cool product and have the sample in my library. So yeah. Kara, thank you for your skill, talent, and willingness to share. It was my honor speaking with you and congratulations. Thank you to my partners and sponsors, Thermosol and Design Hardware for making the show possible. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the show and thank you for providing all the feedback that you you send. Um, Convo by Design at Outlook.com is the email address to send show suggestions, uh, show ideas, uh, guest suggestions, and convo by design at convo by design with an x uh on instagram follow along and enjoy the fun if you are so inclined so thanks for listening and until next week be well and take today first (laughs) 